Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Zach Whitecloud helps VGK in their latest preseason win. It's the What the Friday edition as we recap everything that happened on Wednesday versus Colorado. We look ahead to Friday's game against San Jose. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco. You can tell it's the end of the week. Just winding down already. Along with Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Make sure that you subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel at Lockdown VGK. I am at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G at Lockdown VGK on Twitter as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Chris, uh, we had, of course, our guest Nick Raboni yesterday, and uh, we thank him again for joining us. Uh, but we didn't, however, have time to recap Wednesday's game against the Avalanche, and VGK won the preseason affair by a final of 7-1. to And among the highlights in that game, uh, seven different players scored goals. And what really stood out was Zach Whitecloud's contribution with four helpers. Uh, Will this new system, do you feel, uh, the new system of Bruce Cassidy's benefit Zach Whitecloud from what you've seen already? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we had a couple different shows when the Cassidy news first broke, obviously. And I think one of our shows, we were trying to compare some of the players on the Bruins to some of the current VGKs and Charlie McAvoy and Zach Whitecloud was one of my immediate comparisons. Um, McAvoy has much more ability on the offensive side. I'm not saying Zach Whitecloud doesn't, he just hasn't done it yet but maybe now he's going to grow into that role where he's going to be able to rush the puck a little bit more and also contribute on the offensive side. We know what Zach Whitecloud can do on the defensive side. He led BGK last year. I believe it was a plus 21 in a season where BGK was not a plus 21 as a team. I'm pretty sure at least uh, unless that last game put him over the hump, but their goal differential was not terribly far off of zero uh, as we had all sorts of injury problems and such across the entire lineup. Um, but yeah, Zach Whitecloud, I'm excited to see what he's going to do this season. And if he can be another offensive defenseman type while still taking care of everything at home. Uh, I, I said this again, Zach Whitecloud, I feel he could be a future leader of this team, depending on how long he stays. Of course, we don't want to send him packing or trade him for future considerations or anything like that. I, it's Friday. I'm sorry, folks. It's sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we certainly hope to see uh, Zach Whitecloud's growth. And I think he could be a let, uh, be wearing a VGK letter, maybe even in the not terribly distant future, to be completely honest. Okay, uh, we saw where uh, we had William Carlson uh, scoring a goal on the White White Cloud uh, shot to get the scoring going just uh, under the first minute of the game on the redirect. And uh, that really got things started for the VGK. Uh, White Cloud had an opportunity to score a goal. In fact, um, he rang the post and they had a really good possession. And uh, that uh, end result was the Michael Amadio goal so 
he's uh, doing a good job with puck possession as well as everything else. And then, of course, you know, dishing off the, the puck and doing all the, the right things and forechecking. And um, he said, I think, at one of the intermissions the other night that he was fueled by the crowd. The crowd really got him excited. Uh, it was great to be playing back at home. And I guess not getting booed for once because that's how they left the ice, I think, the last time they were here. Yeah, that, that, that's all fair. And it's it's funny. I was uh, uh, in, my, in my business uh, where I basically sell uh, hockey cards and such. I was interacting from someone uh, who was at the Red Wings preseason game on Wednesday nights. And he was just kind of downing like, ah, oh, it's preseason. It was boring. There wasn't much energy in the arena and stuff like that. And and I immediately said, listen, Vegas is different for pre- even preseason. I mean, it, it goes up a level in the regular season and up another level when the playoffs come, of course. But even the preseason, T-Mobile is a different animal than any NHL arena end of story as far as energy, excitement. You still get a fun little pregame presentation. You still get the helmet. You get everything else that goes into the VGK experience for, you know, a fraction of the cost, so to speak, once the regular season starts. Um, me and my kid are excited. This will be our uh, season six debut. We'll be uh, in the back of Section 217 hanging out. So if any uh, anyone from the from uh, any listeners are here want to come by, uh, don't bring me don't bring me beer tonight, though. I'm with my kids, so we're not we're not drinking tonight. So bring water, bring Sprite, bring a. Uh, a bag of those cinnamon uh, cinnamon almonds from right behind, like 219, that'll work. Yeah, those are awfully good. Uh, we said that we would see uh, goalies playing full games uh, on Wednesday, and that's exactly what had happened. Logan Thompson was a net, and uh, he gave up the late goal, did not have the shutout, but it doesn't matter. It's preseason, what have you. He looks so confident. He's doing everything right. And right now, it's Logan Thompson's job to lose. The moment, and again, this isn't going to be a dump on Aiden Hill moment, but the moment I officially saw him, you know, his, his game activity from the Kings game, I want to say. Yeah, that was, the, that was the game where we lost in overtime, I believe. And, you know, I, and again, it's preseason for him too. I'm not, again, I don't want to get on him, but I was not a big fan of, his output that game if you will I thought his recovery time lacked a little bit and you know I I hate to get down on Leonard right now but I just saw shades of the injured Robin Leonard not not the healthy Robin Leonard but the injured Robin Leonard in watching Aiden Hill's recovery now it's preseason folks Aiden Hill is not injured to our best of our knowledge God I hope not at least so he should improve and I think if we're going to maybe start talking about tonight's game, possibly, uh, I think Aiden Hill might get the net tonight. It's his old team, old team, the Sharks. So there's some uh, some funsies in that as well, and he knows them well, so he should you know be able to do a good job. Uh, if they come in and just light him up, that would definitely not be a great thing. Uh, I know it's preseason; we shouldn't overreact, but you know now we're basically already in the middle of the preseason, right? We only got what eight or nine days of uh, official preseason left, and then we open. Uh, you know, in less than a week and a half right now, which that that alone gets me excited. <laughs> you know, what got me excited actually was to watch defensively. I was trying to watch the structure, I think, more than anything in the last uh, game in particular. Uh, but I really did like to see the development of that brand new one two two structure through the neutral zone. And that is a, a different uh, departure from the one one three that uh, Peter DeBoer had deployed. I, I just thought it, it looked pretty good. It looks as though you could put some pressure on the puck. 
you know, in uh, the defensive zone and maybe come up with with a big play. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be more of a hybrid from what Gallant used to do because Gallant, I felt this team was so aggressive. It felt like we were doing a 4-1, four players being on the other team's blue line, attacking the puck with one defenseman back in case they do get a good breakout. But that's what it felt like at times, just with how aggressive they were in season one. Uh, DeBorg wasn't as aggressive, um, but defensively, we also were not very good under DeBorg. Um, so Cassidy's system might kind of be a hybrid where we're still going to take some chances and try and create those turnovers. But I think most importantly, we want to muddy things up through the neutral zone without sacrificing odd man rushes. It is a little more of a conservative approach, but again, this is, you know, everything you do, there's going to be a, a pro and a con. It doesn't matter what strategy you put out there. And I think the biggest pro is that we're going to be able to keep the neutral zone somewhat clogged up while the other team is going to have to, you know, try a lot harder for a stretch pass or so to catch that breakaway. So I like it so far. I like what I've seen so far. Um, you know, it's it's mid preseason, and I don't know if Cass. Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. I was going to say I don't know if all of Cassidy's cards are on the table, but it feels like all his cards are on the table since day one. So we'll see if he's going to trick us a little bit with some new things when the when the actual season starts, or if uh, you know, I mean, tonight's going to be a good dress rehearsal. I think tonight you're going to see a lot more players, uh, a lot more of the regulars out there. I think Cassidy's going to enjoy the Friday night vibes and going to want to uh, you know, get that crowd going a little bit. The Sharks are going to have a lot of hungry rookies out there. I'm actually looking forward. I, I hope I haven't checked recently, but I hope William Eklund is going to be playing for the Sharks. Um, I watched some of his uh, highlights from the rookie games a couple of weeks ago up in San Jose, oddly enough. And he had just a couple amazing goals, an OT winner, spinorama type thing, uh, a real nice goal, just kind of cutting through everyone. So I'm, I'm really hoping I get a chance to see William Eklund uh, up close. And I guess this will be my first reminder, folks, if you're going to the game tonight, Everyone has the ability to walk right down to glass level for warmups. The VGK side gets a little crowded, obviously. But me and my kid, I love standing right behind the visiting goal, pointing out players on the opposite team, and just watching the little things they do with the puck and how easy they make everything look. So if you get there early, folks, I think the, the pregame skate starts around 35 minutes before puck drop. So like 625, 630 is when the players will take the ice. Get there, check it out, and especially take your kid down there, take your family down there, and uh, it's just a, a really wonderful experience by itself before the game even starts. So the Sharks come in at three and zero. If they win, they'll probably raise a banner at home. On home, they already ice. did raise a banner, Tony. They already did. <laughs> we could see Capo Kakinen or James Reimer in net. And you talked about uh, players to watch. This uh, David Guschik, uh, the Russian who played for the Barracuda uh, the last oh, yeah, season, yeah, yeah. at least, yeah. He's having a, a really good uh, campaign and trying to stick with the NHL team. Um, he's very explosive. He's very skilled from all the highlights that I saw. And this will be another one of those split squad games. Half the squad will be in Anaheim, and then the rest of the team will be here in Las Vegas. And uh, we have now, this will be the final time, final preseason game for either squad on the split squad scene for San Jose Sharks because uh, they leave for uh, Czechoslovakia, right? They they leave for Prague uh, later this week. Uh, next Friday and Saturday, they play against Nashville in the Prague. And uh, they're allowing, because uh, they all have visas, they're allowing all of the Russian players as well uh, to go there. So that's going to be pretty interesting. And so 
they're going to be fine-tuned. This is their final dress rehearsal tonight, and they'll probably have more of the stars coming to, to Vegas uh, than going to Anaheim. I would think so. I don't know what the mindset is as far as the Sharks' leadership goes, where to send them and stuff like that, or what the players want to do. I mean, I'm assuming some of your your veterans can maybe make their own decisions when it comes to that. So I don't know if uh, they might just kind of say, screw Vegas and not want to deal with all the hoopla and stuff because they know – you know, they're, the Sharks are still public enemy number one in this city, I believe. I, the Kings, I believe, are a better rival as far as just, you know, better hockey goes. But, you know, yes, the Sharks have beaten us just now one time going back to about what feels like about 1994. But, you know, yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, it's the hate for the Sharks is still there. And, you know, that, that makes for a, a fun environment, but it's going to be a great time. And I do hope we get most of the stars. I would like to see a nice blend. I would like to see a good game because I do think VGK dresses at least two solid forward lines tonight and probably even up to four, you know, of our top six possible uh, defensemen. And I, I think Aiden Hill gets the net tonight, so he's going to have some uh, some extra incentive, as the Sharks will, to try and light him up. It's going to be fun, folks. It's going to be a good one. Okay, so they had the scrimmage yesterday, and your favorite goalie now, your current favorite goalie, Aiden Hill, was with the Silver Knights team. And uh, they had Logan Thompson with the NHL Vegas Golden Knights. So we'll have to see if he reverts back to the AHL level tonight, your guy, Aiden Hill. But we also have Mark Stone. He played in the scrimmage. Uh, See how he comes out of that. If everything's okay. Uh, he said, we're checking all the boxes. He feels fine. Will he get that action uh, in tonight's game or will they hold him out like a couple days? I mean, I could see a scenario where he just plays one game. You know, he just plays one preseason game and then rest the rest of them. And we see him in the regular season. Um, I, I don't have the preseason schedule in front of me without staring at my phone for a second and watching Nickelodeon, you know, people getting slimed and stuff. But inside joke, folks, from a couple of shows ago, if you paid attention. Um, Go back and listen. Yeah, yeah go back and listen. I can't. I think it was Wednesday's show, but yeah, it wasn't definitely wasn't yesterday's show. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Mark Stone at the most gets two games, but it could simply be just one game to get out there and go. I mean, it would be silly if uh if he or anyone for that matter, but certainly Stone, given his injury history, if he were to go out there and and not like a, a you know, if he gets hit, so be it. That happens, unfortunately. But the type of injury where, you know, it's he was out there too soon, and then we gotta talk about that again. That would just be catastrophic. Uh at this stage of uh, the Bruce Cassidy era as we enter season six. Okay. So Bruce Cassidy, um, he's saying that five on five, he's pretty much pleased with the way VGK has performed. Uh, They've only given up, I think two five on five goals so far. So now starting yesterday, Thursday, they started to implement more on special teams. So this will be a focus. Do you feel starting with tonight's game, uh, trying to get the power play unit in shape and in order and the PK? No doubt. I mean, special teams, power play in particular, have certainly been our you know biggest, uh, using a corporate slang here, our biggest area of opportunity uh, going back to you know the last two seasons under DeBoer. I mean, I really felt maybe season four wasn't an anomaly. It happened sometimes, just some bad luck. And going from season four to season five, we're going to fix the power play. That's what we're going to do. And, you know, just some terrible stretches, you know, not over 40 type, like you pointed out for Cassidy, but, you know, I think we were 23rd, if I'm not mistaken in power play percentage last year, but another stat that I was able to dig up courtesy of the old Microsoft Excel machine next to me here, 
there was only a, and again, it was either between eight and 11 goals, eight or between eight and 11 more power play goals for the VGK. Would have put us in the top 10. Eight more power play goals over an 82 game season doesn't seem like a whole lot. So again, you go back to all the injuries and such. Maybe DeBoer got, you know, a little bit of a rough ride as far as the power play output goes last season. But yeah, I mean, if Cassidy has to do everything possible to shed the, the, the DeBoer skin, so to speak, right? If this team does start off three and seven and we go, you know, one for 16, one for 18, one for 22 in the first 10 games, as far as the power plays go, you know, all of a sudden that's, you know, VGK fan base, it's fun. It's exciting right now, but it's not going to take a whole lot for the fan base to get nervous. This is, it's a new fan base. We, you know, for lack of a better term, a lot, and I, I don't say we, not me, but a lot of the VGK fans were basically booing them off the ice uh, near the end of the season, which is unfortunate, but that's the fans' right to do because they paid the money and you want to go and spend money and boo, fine, that, that's on you. You go right ahead and do that. Um, but we don't want to start season six like that on eggshells, wondering when it's going to click. If we can come out of the gate, go seven and three and, you know, net a couple early power play goals, that'll, I think, relax all of us. If we start off three and seven, only get a couple power play goals and we're in the bottom of the league, that's all of a sudden when the questions start and then we start talking about McCrimmon and stuff like that and what's going to be happening. So let's get out of the gate good and uh, have, have some fun. Coming up next, Paul Cotter has made quite an impression in camp. Talk about that when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the action that's happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And our podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast throughout the universe. And so Paul Cotter, Paul Cotter, he, uh, over the summer, we talked about him. Uh, we did the welcome back Cotter thing. And now that's catching on like wildfire. And he signed a three-year contract over the summer. And now he is earning his way onto the VGK roster. Do you think that he makes the team? He has uh, a couple of goals. Uh, the one against the, uh, the abs on Wednesday, he also caused uh, a turnover. And he got the puck over to Keegan Kolasar, who uh, shelved it there in that game. Spectacular goal as well in the shootout against the Kings. <laughs> and that might come back to, to bite him a little he's bit. Gonna get, he's going to get his butt kicked for okay, that talk, let's talk He's going to answer that. the bell for that. Oh, let, let, let's talk about that because uh, uh, is this a hockey unwritten rule where you can't show up a goaltender on a shootout? What was that of the uh, the 12th round? It was in the 13th, the 8th round. There were 14 stinking rounds. So that reminds me now, this is a bit different, but that goal reminds me in particular, something I do see pretty frequently 
And when I'm refing the beer leagues and it could be the higher level or the lower level, like a, let's just take a little bit of a different scenario where it's seven to one, there's 45 seconds left. The players are just running out the clock at that point. It's over, whatever. And you get the hero out there who never scores a goal. They're going as hard as they can to get that last goal. And to make it worse, you know, they get right inside the blue line and they just rocket a slap shot right at the goalie. And sometimes they, you know, put it right by his head. And then the other team starts chirping and, you know, all heck breaks out. And, you know, we got ourselves a little melee. And then I'm over here just putting my whistle in the pocket, shaking my head as I go in the scrum and start writing numbers down so I can start, uh, you know, giving penalties and things like that. This wasn't that exact scenario, but it also was. You're not going to, I don't think, I mean, maybe he does have the stones to try that in the regular season. I don't know, but if he does, you know, it's like William Carlson, right? Against the Sharks in season one, that between the legs goal, if it works, oh my God, it's amazing. And never if worked it, again too. He tried it one more time. and it He did. He did try it once and it didn't work out definitely, but there's a place for it. And, you know, if Paul Cotter, you know, fumbles his feet and falls on his tail or something like that, all of a sudden that's what we're talking about right now. And the fact that he does have the, um, arrogance to try something like that knowing what probably might happen i like that um cotter's fun like he's another player to watch in the pregame skate he's just he's got a tradition i don't know if it's the trainer or um one of the equipment people but he does this thing he warms up and stuff and then it's pretty funny actually he he's like skating around the like this is some if you don't go if you don't go down for warmth you'll never catch this folks but he goes and he skates down like kind of in front of the trainer looking around like he won't make eye contact with him and then he skates right up to him and kind of they do some high five thing or something like that some tradition that they have and then he turns around and the trainer squirts a bunch of water down his back and he just takes off like a dog that just did his business, you know, and just how they go run across the yard and skates as hard as he can to the other side of the ice. Like it's, it's fun. And he he's that type of fun individual. He's also fun with the crowd and things like that. Um, back to, you know, maybe more, more hockey stuff now, of course, with Paul Cotter, the fact that he did, you know, attempt that, I think he might have to answer the bell for that later in the regular season, but Hey, it works. The goalie was completely frozen. And maybe, I mean, I've never seen anyone try that before. I've never yeah. seen anyone try to move before. And I, I like watching YouTube and going on and checking uh, just random highlights and things like that. That's something that'll make a, a definitely a preseason highlight wheel at the least. Yeah, no, I thought it was some showboating, but again, so uh, what? It's Vegas. Let's do they it. They were never supposed to be having a, a shootout anyway, which is, it's just ridiculous. They started and they practiced the shootout after they played an overtime period, which is awesome. Dumb. I love and Phoenix Copley was the, uh, the goalie that was in net. And last year, from everything that I remember, I thought that Cotter also had a shootout win goal against San Diego. I thought last year uh, he had a goal in a shootout. You might know that better. In the AHL, he had 34 points last season, 19 goals. And now we don't know how long William Carrier is going to be out. But this is a terrific opportunity for Paul Cotter on that fourth line. No doubt. And Paul Cotter will bring a little more of an offensive skill set than William Carrier did. But in the same breath, Paul Cotter is also a pretty solid two-way player. Um, You know, William Carrier, he has a place on this roster. And as long as he's healthy, he's always going to be on the roster. No doubt about that. You know, and Paul Cotter is probably the first one he would bump now that or or Colasar. If I mean, geez, there could be a scenario where where Paul Cotter just plays himself on the onto the roster, and it's a spot where you know, the team simply can't 
can't send him back down or or scratch him. I mean, if Carrier comes back, Colasar, now that we're kind of going off script a little bit here, Colasar is the one who might actually have to try and step things up a little bit to continuously earn his roster spot. He's always going to be on the roster, but he might get some healthy scratches depending on, on what Paul Cotter does. But this is a great opportunity for Cotter, no doubt about that. Um, he has to do more of what Jake LeCision did, though. Uh, scoring the goals is fun. Paul Cotter scored, I think, you know, goals quicker than LeCision did, but LeCision was the one who found himself at the NHL level a lot more last season. And that's because LeCision can do everything right on the defensive side of the ice and whatever happens on the offensive side, so be it. Paul Cotter is line four. He's not line one, not line two. So those goals are fun and, you know, we need them, but he has to do it defensively. And that's going to be the most important thing that will keep Paul Cotter on the radar. And then who knows? I mean, there's going to be injuries throughout the season to the top six. That happens every year, every team. It's not going to be a surprise. Hopefully not to the tune of 500 plus man games lost like last season. But if Cotter can take care of business at home, there's going to be a chance for him to advance up the line. And that's, and that's anyone on the bottom six, not just Paul Cotter, of course. But he'll have an opportunity to advance up to the top six or top nine once injuries and uh you know, just that attrition kind of starts to take its toll through the season. Yeah, and uh, Cotter is definitely uh, getting the attention of Bruce Cassidy. They ask about him after every game. and uh, Cassidy makes it a point to to talk about him, even if he's not asked. he's doing well. Right, even if they don't ask, he's voluntarily talking about him. Yep. Uh, And then, I don't have, you know, preseason stats, I think, are kind of hard to find. But I was just looking for him. (laughs) I couldn't find him. But I do know through the first two games, I think it was 11 hits, for Paul Cotter. So he is doing some of the dirty work again, his forechecking and he's just got, you're right. this air of confidence about him. Now his other two teammates on the AHL level, uh, what are their chances? Are they improving? I think Lashizen, I saw him uh, playing a very physical game. Ron Bjork. I'm not so sure about what are your thoughts on those two players, Chris? Lashizen and Ron Bjork are not excitable and I'm not knocking them when I say that. You can carve out a very good and long NHL career and be paid, you know, handsomely for, for doing so for not for not being that sexy player. Right. Um, uh, Matt Carpenter, that's first name that comes to mind. Pierre Edouard Belmer, another one, Tomas Nosek, just some very recent VGKs who they're never the types of players you're talking about in the offseason when they when they hit free agency, because they do hit free agency a lot. Those are your expendable pieces, if you will. But let's talk about Belmare for a second, right? After VGK, he goes to Colorado, I believe. Colorado okay. has a nice run, but VGK knocks him out, um, you know, in the round of, in, in the quarterfinals, in the conference semifinals, conference semifinals. And then he goes to Tampa and there's a, you know, a couple cups in there and then a Stanley cup loss. So, I mean, you know, you look at how serviceable those players are and stuff like that. And LeCision and Ron Bjerg, both, I'll, I'll put them together, I think, can carve out those types of careers. Unfortunately, they might not, you know, be on one team for a long time because they are interchangeable moving pieces, but they are the types of players who will find ways. LeCision uh, is probably a little more ready than Ron Bjerg, just simply based on experience. But they're going to be around for a long time, especially LeCision at the NHL level you know potentially the vgk level and this race between you know cotter lecision ron Bjerg, you know and even brassoin and and stuff like that it's not over yet it is not over we still got another 
eight or nine days, I think, until camp officially ends and the regular, and we turn the, the calendar to the regular season. So we still got work to do and a lot could change. Uh, this could be some gamesmanship, if you will, f- amongst, um, uh, for what Cassidy is trying to do right now, right? He might be, you know, talking about Cotter, trying to see how he handles the pressure of the coach mentioning his name in the media. You know, the players pay attention to, to this stuff. Uh, we firsthand know some of the players uh, check out what, what we're saying right now. And it's, it's fun. It's interesting. So Paul Cotter, if you're watching this, I hope you enjoyed me talking about your little pregame skates. Just, you never know. You never know. Or maybe I'll get the donkey saying. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> At least we get some, some good reactions from the players. Uh, but do you believe that Caden Korzak is that next man up or has he been replaced by Paul Cotter? Hmm. Uh, Cotter's the one getting the attention right now. Of course, I did score a nice goal the other yeah, night. Yeah, no was doubt good. Hey, that. I'm still around no here. You know, <laughs> one of those things. But it, it's pretty interesting. And the competition. And, okay, before we go into our, our next break in WTF, do you feel, because I, I get this feeling that this camp is much better than it was a year ago. You know, you don't have as many injuries and all that stuff. But uh, briefly, how do you feel this camp is going? Because I think it's going pretty well, and I do see some improvements across the board. I lumped this all in with the changing of the guard with DeBoer. And I'm not knocking DeBoer by any means when I say this, but, you know, it's a blank slate. And I've gone through this, you know, in my corporate experience, and we've all gone through this when, you know, if you're a little bit higher up and, you know, like, like my personal experience, when I got a new general manager, it was always, okay, I got to make sure I'm showing I'm doing a good job. Or if I got, if my directors change and things like that, you know, there's always that, you know, make sure that tie's a little straighter going to work, you know, oh, that jacket has a wrinkle on it, you know, let's maybe find a different one, you know, versus you get a little complacent, uh, you know, when you kind of fall into the same routine and, you know, kind of going a, a, on that. I mean, we know what already said about, you know, how things were kind of going some days, you know, the, the country uh, club stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think part of the solid camp can be attributed to the fact that we have a new coach and everyone has a little more pep in their step. Cassidy seems to be running a very good camp, but a lot of great news coming out of it. And, you know, just more excitement for uh, what looms in season six. Coming up next, it's what the Friday. We'll have that next when we return here on Lockdown Golden Knights. Are you one of those people who thinks that it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time is much slower, way down when you are high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It is not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. And without further ado, it's time for What the Friday. And Chris was out last week and... We're finally back in the fold, and we don't have a lot of time because we were jawing a lot back and forth, but I do have a bunch of notes here for you. Fire away. Go ahead. You start Okay, so my number one WTF is no one really wants to say this. They don't want to approach this, but Robin Leonard is a distraction, and this is a difference in camp from last year to this. This will be something that we see throughout the season. We understand. We're very much aware of all the uh, mental health issues and all of that. With that aside, with that aside, in the clubhouse, I think it's going to be the temperament will be much calmer. 
it will be calmer because Leonard just wants a lot of attention. He garners a lot of attention. And he's a guy, you know, who last season, we're not going to have these faking of injuries during the course of the season. I'm on social media. I'm off. None of that. And so we won't see any of these blowups, anything this season. And for that reason alone, I feel that this team might be much calmer. WTF, Robin Leonard. <laughs> Very interesting. That That's what I didn't expect there, Tony. That's interesting. We could probably debate that one, but we only got six minutes and 36, 35, 30. Okay, but yeah, we're, we're running low on time here. Um, this is a layup for me, folks, for my What the Friday. Nick Haig, what are you doing? What is your agent doing? What is your team doing right now? Who's around you? You're skating with some random team right now, risking injury. You're not in an NHL arena right now. You're not at City National. What possibly can Nick Haig and his team be asking VGK for? VGK, I would get venture to guess they have not offered him a $900,000 contract or a, a $1.2 million contract. They're not going to offer him a $3 million contract because he's just not worth that much money. I am not paying him a penny more than Zach Whitecloud. I, I would consider matching Zach Whitecloud at 275 and, you know, whatever type of term is coming in there. But whatever is between these two sides that can't get Nick Haig on the ice is very unfortunate. I don't think this is a spot where BGK is just going to have to bite the bullet on this one. I think Nick Hague's camp wants them to bite the bullet. And I, I literally think Nick Hague's camp is calculating the salary cap, carrying the one, moving the comma, trying to see how much money BGK has approximately left. And they're going for it. They're going for all 3.2, 3.3, whatever that number is that BGK has once they estimate the seasons to start. I think Nick Hague's camp wants all that money. And I think that's just BS unfortunately. So Nick Hague, whether it's you, your agent, your camp, WTF, get back to city national, figure this out. You're going to, you're going to be a millionaire many times over, you know, a couple hundred K right now isn't enough to uh, do the long-term damage that you might have or the short-term damage. Should you uh, blow your knee out uh, with whoever the heck it is you're playing with right now? Okay, so with all my burner accounts and everything, I only saw a few posts the other day of those VGK statues, okay, for the first couple of home games here. And uh, I think the Mark Stone statue looked more like Chris Golick than it did actually Mark Stone. And so for that reason alone, I'm going to throw a WTF at those statues. I don't know. Bobbleheads would have been just much better. Here, here's a fun one we can do if we ever run short on, on news, Tony, which I don't think we're going to for another eight ever. months now. But we should rank all the statues and bobbleheads. Okay. I'm, we should rank them game. all. It'll be like a four-minute you know, segment because no one's going to watch it. I mean, no one's going to watch <laughs> it, but it'll still be fun. My WTF. Do you have another one? I have more. Go ahead. We got, we got, we got, we got three okay. minutes left. Fire them off. Okay. Overtime in the preseason. Oh, you know how I feel about that. It's stupid. It's dumb. Even dumber, 14-round shootouts in the preseason, and you do it against your divisional rival? This is ridiculous. And we might have some fisticuffs out of the shoot between the Kings and VGK because of Cotter's antics. They're skating down the ice. WTF. That's awful. Another WTF coming at you there, Chris Golick, because I'm fired up this morning. I've been up since 3 a.m. I can't sleep crying out loud 
But, uh, okay, so VGK wins the Stanley for the best game presentation. Terrific. Not mentioned. Not mentioned. I think someone needs to get a share of that, and that is Johnny Greco, who is now with Seattle, who is the person that developed the game presentation from the jump, WTF. He left. He gets nothing. He can, he can get his own trophy in Seattle. No. No, he, he deserves some credit. No, he deserves some oh, credit. Oh, of course. No doubt He's the about innovator that. of everything of that course, we see no, in the game no, presentation. And it hasn't changed much over the last couple of years. No. No, not much. No. Seattle has – look at theirs, man. Holy smokes. He's done a great job there as well. Uh, tomorrow's a big day here, of course. And uh, we have to remember uh, the 60 victims that perished in the mass shooting here. And we'd like to thank Nick Raboni, right, uh, once again for joining us on yesterday's show. That was very touching and moving. And uh, it was, you know, I said, hey, we're going to talk about this. Is it okay? And he was uh, just, he was, he was. He didn't shy away. He didn't a person away that did not shy away from, from talking about it. So that was much appreciated. Yeah, no doubt. Any uh, memories of uh, October 1st? Uh, just really fast. Um, we were actually at the game against the Sharks, most notably the, the night that it happened. And, you know, just kind of thinking, you know, that we were just blocks away from it. We did leave the game early, but it really didn't matter because we would have been well gone even beforehand. But we were in the area and, you know, it just changed the outlook on things. And I do remember I was I was working on this um, for Siege's Entertainment and I was at home getting the phone calls about my employees sheltering in place and stuff like that. Just, a you know, a terrible, helpless feeling. And then when you woke up the next morning to the news that 50 plus had perished and obviously it kept going up, it was just, you know. There's just no words to describe that, but the city, you know, we've certainly bounced back and, you know, there's a lot of love that created, you know, with the Golden Knights, an emotional connection to the VGK as a result of their assistance, if you will, during that terrible time. So, yeah, it's always a tough day, tough to talk about and, you know, it just triggers all sorts of things and, you know. Yeah, I, that's, I, I got no way to, to take that home outside of that. <laughs> yeah, and prayers to all the victims still five years later and their families, most importantly. And uh, we'd like to thank the first responders. And then also, too, someone stopped me in a clothing store in Green Valley yesterday because now I'm on video, too, and uh, was saying, hey, October 1st, listen to the podcast. Make sure that you remember all the people in the community that helped out, too, that loaded up a lot of the injured in their trucks and cars and vans. So we appreciate everyone. Sorry to leave you on that note. No, you're good. We thank you all for tuning in. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco. We'll return again on Monday when the Silver Knights open camp. Excitement.